So good to see all of you tonight. Um, a very warm welcome, particularly if you're here for the very first time. Tonight we are going to be digging straight into a Bible passage. So if you want to take one of the Bibles out of the chairs in front of you, and um, please open it up to page 1205. We're going to be looking at Paul's second letter to Timothy. And last week we were looking at Paul and Silas who were in prison in Philippi. And this week Paul is writing this letter to Timothy from prison again in Rome. And Paul is writing probably what is his final letter to Timothy. And he wants this message that he gives to him not just to stay with Timothy but actually be a message that goes right throughout the church, the early church, and ultimately to us. So page 1205, 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 to 7. It'll also come up on the screens. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. I want to talk to you tonight about how to activate your gifts. Each one of you here has been entrusted with a unique mix of gifts, of talents, and resources to use for God. You've been called and anointed to do great works for the kingdom. But just because God has put a gift in you doesn't necessarily mean that that gift is going to come out of you. In order for the gift to come out of you, for you to be able to make a difference in this world, you've got to activate your gifts. That is what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do here. He wants him to activate the gift of God that's been put in him through the laying on of hands. He says, fan into flame the gift that is in you. Another translation says, stir up the gift. That word literally means to resuscitate, to bring back to life. Louis Armstrong, the famous jazz musician in his younger days, was keen to go to music school and he went along, he was invited to come for an audition and the people auditioning him asked him to sing some scales. But Louis Armstrong could only sing two of the notes in succession. So the people who were auditioning him told him he didn't have what it takes to be a musician. He was utterly rejected, went away, downhearted, but he said to his friends, he said, I know that God has put music in me and no one is going to stop that music coming out. You see, Armstrong activated his gift. 
He went on to be one of the most world-renowned musicians. 19 top 10 singles. Multiple Grammy Awards. The gifts that God gives us, they're not just for us. They're given to us to be able to serve others, to be able to help others, to build other people up. And you have been given a specific set of gifts. You have a role to play. Just look around this church. Imagine what could happen if each one of us was to fully activate our gifts. Just look at the potential impact. Maybe in your street, in your community, maybe in your university. It's amazing that so many students are part of the community here at HTB. Maybe in your workplace. Your workplace is your primary place of ministry. Your workstation is your worship station. It's where you spend the vast majority of your time. In this city, this city of London, if we were to fully activate our gifts, just think of the impact that we could have. Fully activating your gifts can have life-changing impact. So how do we do it? How do we activate our gifts? First of all, we need to discover our gifts. You might be here tonight and you might think, well, I'm, I'm not very gifted. I don't really have any gifts. I mean, Dave Matthews, now he's gifted. You know, Danny and Chris leading the worship now, they're gifted. The person I came with tonight, they're gifted. But you know, comparison is a killer. So often we, we find it hard to identify our own gifts. But you've got to know what your gifts are if you want to use them. So how do we discover our gifts? The word that Paul uses here in this letter is charismata. It means literally gift of grace. These are gifts that God gives us through his Holy Spirit. Rick Warren, who's the uh, pastor of Saddleback Church in America, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, he talks about the, the shape uh, of our lives. He talks about the unique mix of elements that, that give us our shape, our personal shape. He talks about S, spiritual Gifts, different lists that Paul uses in the New Testament, Ephesians, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Some of those gifts are practical, some of them are supernatural. That's the first thing, S, H, heart. What are you passionate about? What is it that brings you alive? What do you enjoy doing? A, our abilities, the things that you're just naturally good at. P, personality, what's your temperament? And finally, E, our experiences, our education, our family upbringing, the friends that we hang out with, our experiences in life, the good ones and the bad ones. God can even use our struggles and our suffering to, short, to form us, to give us the, the shape that he's put in our lives. You see, all of these things together, our spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experiences, together they shape who we, are, who we are and how God has designed us. Nowadays, there are a myriad of ways, different methods, different tools to discover our gifts. But actually, our gifts are best discovered in the context 
of community. Most people often can't even see what they're gifted at. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say, oh, it's it's nothing. It's just who I am or it's just what I do. It's just what I enjoy doing in my spare time. But often it takes other people to see it in us. You know, in a family, a parent sees a child. In a team, a coach might see their player. And they call it out of them. And the church is similar. The church is a family. The church is a team. We're all in it together. We've all got something to contribute. We've all got a part to play. I'd encourage you tonight, if you see something in someone else, you can be that person who calls it out of them. If you see it, say it. That's what Paul's doing here in this passage with Timothy. He's calling the gift out of him. See, so often the gifts are in us, but it needs someone else to call it out of us. Sometimes that happens when we pray for one another. We're going to have an opportunity at the end of this service to lay hands on each other to pray that God would fan into flame the gift that is in us. Again, that's what happens here for for Timothy. The gift was imparted to him through the laying on of hands. And we all need people like Paul in our lives. People who will see us. People who will love us. People who will trust us, challenge us, inspire us. I know I'm hugely, hugely grateful for the, for the people in my life who've done that. The people who saw something tiny in me, encouraged it out, called it out, loved me enough to allow me to make the mistakes, to give me the opportunities When I was growing up, particularly my youth leader in my church had a huge impact on me. He spent so much time investing in me. I used to come home from school. Rather than going to my house, I'd go to his house. We'd hang out. We'd talk together. He'd pray for me. I'd tell him my problems and he'd reassure me that everything was going to be all right. He even taught me how to drive. It was an amazing investment that he put in. You see, what he did for me Help me discover the trajectory of the rest of my life. Just this weekend, about 200 of our uh, young people here at HTB have gone away for the youth weekend away. I'm so grateful for the youth leaders that have gone down to be a part of that weekend away. What an opportunity to invest in the young people of this church. We often think of our young people like arrows in the hands of God. At some point, they're going to be fired out into this generation. We can have a role in sharpening, polishing, honing those arrows. It can have a huge impact when we call it out of somebody. I think of Paul Cowley, who is the ambassador for social transformation here at HTB. Paul Cowley became a Christian on Alpha in 1994. He had an amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit on the Alpha weekend away. And when Paul came back from that weekend, he was asked to volunteer in some of the prisons work that was happening here at the church by Emmy Wilson, who's still here on the clergy team. 
And Paul at that point was a, a fitness instructor at Champneys. And so he got involved, he went along on those trips, and later he was asked by Sandy and Nicky Gumbel to join the staff and to develop and continue to innovate uh, in that ministry with social transformation in the prisons. He went on to pioneer Alpha for Forces, Alpha for Prisons. Now over 50% of the prisons in this country run Alpha. Over 60,000 Prisoners in this country have been through the Alpha program, globally over 500,000. In 1998, Paul went on to get ordained in the Church of England, which he assures me was Sandy Miller's idea and not his own. Uh, but he went on to, f- he was the founder of CFEO, Caring for Ex-Offenders, meeting people at the gate of a prison, plugging them into a local community and into a church. Because of the work he's done amongst social transformation, he's now been awarded the MBE for his pioneering efforts. He's now the Archbishop's Advisor for Prisons in this country. You see, the gift was in Paul, but the only way he discovered it and activated it was when someone called it out of him. It wasn't just going to happen by accident. It had to be activated, discovered. So that's the first thing, discover your gifts. Secondly, develop your gifts. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, he says, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Gifts are like muscles. The more you use them, the more they grow. And it's like a biblical biblical principle. If you don't use it, then you lose it. When I was about 20 years old, I used to play a lot of football when I was growing up. And I was 20 years old, I was playing in a football match. And somehow I managed to roll my ankle as I was playing. And I completely severed the lateral ligaments in my ankle. Obviously I went off, had to go to the hospital, got it x-rayed. It turned out I had to have surgery. They took a little bit of my calf muscle, they drilled a little hole into my ankle bone. They sort of tied it together to sort of keep it, keep it solid. Ended up in plaster for four weeks. As a result of those four weeks of not using that muscle, I was amazed at how much the muscle atrophied over that time. I've since discovered that actually if you immobilize a muscle, within three days it starts wasting away. I must admit, when I was 20 years old, I looked absolutely ridiculous. I was on crutches. So my upper body muscles, unlike they are today, were absolutely huge. I was pretty buff in those days. My left leg was huge as well, but my right leg that had had the cast on it, it was like a chicken leg. The whole thing had just completely wasted away. You see, the more you use and develop the gifts that God has given you, the more they grow. And it takes discipline. Developing our gifts requires something of us to be intentional, to pursue excellence. There are so many resources now that we can partake in in order for us to keep growing, to keep learning. I'd encourage you, keep on learning. Pablo Casals, he was one of the greatest cellists of all time. He started playing the cello when he was 12 years old. He went on to be one of the uh, most amazing players in his field. Yet at the age of 85, Pablo still practiced five hours a day. 
When he was asked why he invested still so much time and effort, he responded with a little smile on his face and he just said, I think I'm getting better. It's an amazing commitment, isn't it? Developing our gifts. So often we can look at other people doing different things. Someone who's got an amazing gift. And somehow we can think it just happened overnight without them having to develop it or hone it. Some of you may have read that book, Bounce. You know, it talks about 10,000 hours in order for someone to become a specialist, to be gifted in an area. We might see someone score a goal. We might see someone smash that presentation at work, win that case, host that amazing event, run a phenomenal connect group, lead worship, whatever it might be. So often we see the glory, but we don't see the grind. We don't see the blood, sweat and tears that have gone in to bringing that gift to life, to developing it. Many of us, we, we want the crown, but we don't want the cost. We want the benefit of the gift, but we don't want the burden. Let's be people who develop our gift. Let's strive to aim high. Just think what could happen. It's an amazing witness when we do that. It's something that brings glory to God. So if we want to activate our gifts, first of all, we need to discover our gifts. Secondly, develop our gifts. Thirdly and finally, deploy your gifts. If you want to activate your gifts, in short, start doing something. Get active. I don't know what stands in your way. I think there are all kinds of different reasons. Things that might stop us from getting involved, from fully activating our gifts. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you've got fear of failure. Maybe insecurity, worry about what other people might think. Maybe inadequacy. You think, actually, I haven't got many gifts. Will my contribution really make a difference? Maybe lack of confidence. Maybe disappointment. Perhaps you tried in the past, didn't quite work out as you'd hoped, so you thought, "Mm, we're not going to do that. Maybe it's too costly. Maybe just one or two of us come up with tiny excuses. Oh, when I've got more time, then I'll do it. I'll exercise that gift of hospitality when I get a new flat. Or when I get married, then I can really invite people into my home. When I get that promotion at work, then I can start exercising and developing that gift of generosity. Can I say to you tonight, don't wait to get started. Don't neglect your gift. Have you ever thought about the idea that someone needs your gift? Maybe your gift is the answer to someone's prayer. Someone needs your hospitality. Someone needs your kindness. Someone needs your generosity. Someone needs your serving. Someone needs your skills. See, all of these different reasons, fear, insecurity, inadequacy, all of them cause us not to rise up as the people of God, but they cause us to shrink back, to be fearful, to be timid. That was Timothy's challenge in this passage Maybe Timothy feared persecution. Maybe he was insecure because he was just a young guy trying to have a go. 
But Paul says here in verse 7, he says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. See, all these things, power, love, self-discipline, they, they free us up to be the person that God has enabled us to be. To fulfill our purpose and our destiny. Perfect love casts out all fear. The Holy Spirit that lives in each one of us isn't a spirit of timidity, but he brings power. And he enables us to be disciplined so that we might persevere when things are difficult, when we face difficult circumstances. We can still serve others in the midst of those challenges. And when we activate our gifts, when we deploy our gifts, we find that it's so much fun. I don't know if you've ever found, but when you're involved in a team, you build friendship. You get to know other people. It's an amazing way of experiencing a sense of belonging. Perhaps you're here tonight and you somehow feel on the edges. You feel on the periphery of church. I'd encourage you, get involved on a team. Find that place of belonging. We can enjoy it together. And that's what happens when we serve. We experience amazing joy. When someone gives you a gift, maybe on your birthday or at Christmas, you receive joy when you get that gift. But it's not actually in the gift where you get the joy. It's actually when you get to use the gift that you get the most joy. Last uh, Christmas, my wife Emily, she bought me a tennis racket. Of course, I received it on Christmas morning and it it gave me joy. I thought, yeah, I've got a tennis racket. I've got a new tennis racket. But actually, that's nothing in comparison to the joy I get when I'm actually on the court playing. When I'm in the game. This Christmas, Emily's present to me was even better. Not yet fully opened, but this was what she bought me. Now, there's nothing wrong with a 42-year-old man owning a pair of inline skates. But I can't wait to open this gift and to put it into action. It's going to be so much fun. I love what Eric Little from the film Chariots of Fire says. He says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. God wants us to feel his pleasure when we deploy our gifts, when we activate our gifts. And God wants us in the game. He doesn't want us just spectating. He wants us contributing. If you're here tonight, if you're part of this congregation, part of HTB, can I encourage you, get involved, get in the game. If you're visiting from another church, wherever you've come from, don't be a spectator. Be a participant. God doesn't want you on the sidelines. He doesn't want you dormant. He wants you deployed. Now, your gifts, they're, they're the building blocks of the church. When they're activated, the kingdom of God grows and the church is built up. That's what we experience in this church. Everyone playing their part. The church united together, everybody praying, everybody serving, everybody giving. And I get, actually I get so inspired when I hear stories and I see week by week all the different services, the different ministries day to day. 
all the amazing people that are involved in this church. Emily and I were just talking about it yesterday and we were just saying some of these people are like our, our personal heroes. All the team that serve here in this congregation. I think of Alexander Watson who comes to the 930. You know, connect group leader on the PCC. It was amazing that we had the older person's concert and tea this Thursday. Alexander rocked up. I sort of looked at him and thought, you're not old enough to be at the older person's concert and tea. And he said, oh no, I've, I've brought my elderly neighbor along with me. And he came in and he sat down next to her and he was serving her tea and sandwiches. I think of Ollie Gale, who's a corporate lawyer at Barclays Bank, Canary Wharf. You know, he's got a passion for hospitality and for cooking. He runs all the cafe down at the 1030 service at Onslow Square, raising other people up with gifts of hospitality. I think of Paul Lufkin, headmaster of a primary school, one of the most successful schools in southwest London. Every Sunday he's there at the 4.30 service at Onslow Square, teaching the children, helping them in CHTB. Perhaps that's your gift. Perhaps that's your place where you can serve. You think, I really want to invest in this next generation, in the children, the youth, in the students. I think of... Lady called Elizabeth. I, I can't go to an event without seeing Elizabeth. She's on the door. She's serving food. She's got a smile on her face. She's welcoming people in. Get involved. Maybe you want to be part of the A team. Maybe you want to serve in the shelter. Be a marriage support couple. It's such fun. It's so much joy comes with it. And it's so exciting to be part of something bigger than ourselves. That's what happens when we get involved. It stops us from feeling insignificant or inferior. It also stops us feeling proud, like we can really make a difference just on our own. We need to be part of something bigger together. That's what I love about the uniqueness of this church. You know, it's a local church with a global reach. We want to be that local church. We want this to be a place of family, of community, where we can be in deep relationships together. But it doesn't just stop here. It's got to go out from here. This country, this world needs to hear the good news of Jesus. Think about Alpha. Over 24 million people who've done Alpha around the world. It's an easy statistic to trip off the tongue. That's 24 million people who've encountered Jesus for the very first time. That's just a course that's just come out of our little church here. 9,800 churches now doing Alpha around the UK. All the church plants that have come out of this place, the way that you have prayed, prayed them out, people serving, going, people giving, to see these city center resource churches planted all over this country. St. Peter's Brighton that was the first plant to go outside of London. It's just started its fifth site in Crawley. And Steve Burston, who leads that church, he started Alpha this week. They had 120 people on their Alpha course. You might say, well, what's so exciting about church planting? All these other churches starting in London and beyond. But actually, it's a multiplication of all the things that we're seeing here. People encountering Jesus, marriages being restored, families being transformed, communities coming back to life. 
the poor being looked after, the homeless being brought in. Multiply, multiply, multiply all around this country. You see, some people are saying that the church in this country is dead. But it's not true. Jesus is bringing his church back to life. And he wants to use us to do it. Think of all the leadership development opportunities there are. What's happening with St. Melitus College. Raising up leaders within the Church of England. Youth workers. Clergy. Think about the Leadership College London. Equipping distinctive Christian leaders for the workplace to see social transformation take place in all of our different areas that we're going to be involved in tomorrow morning. Think about that. Think about that on the tube. You can use your gifts for the transformation of society by serving other people. And your little part isn't just your little part. You are part of something so much bigger. Sir Christopher Wren, as many of you know, who built uh, St. Paul's Cathedral in 1671, he decided to do an unannounced visit to the workers and the laborers who were working on the site. And he asked three of them what they were doing. The first one, he said, you know, what is it that you're working on? The first person said, well, I'm cutting these stones. He said to the second person, what are you working on? What are you working on? He said, I'm putting this stone in this arch. The third person, he said, what is it that you're doing? And the person looked at him square in the eye. And he said, I'm building a cathedral for the glory of God. That person caught a vision of what it meant that his tiny part wasn't just what he was doing in front of him. But actually together they were building a great work for the glory of God. You see, your contribution can have a huge impact down the generations. That's what we see in this passage. Timothy is standing on the shoulders of his grandmother and his mother. He goes on to have a huge impact through the early church, not just locally, but also globally. London is a, an amazing city. It's our city. It's a place of huge influence opportunity, creativity. It's a center for so many different things, for government, for finance, for culture, for arts, for politics. If we can change London, we can change this nation. If we can change this nation, we can change our world. I honestly believe that none of us are here by accident. God has called you here for a purpose. This is a moment of amazing opportunity for the church of God to rise up, for each one of us to play our part. Ultimately, we're not called to build a church, but we're called to serve and to love a city. The local church is the hope for the world. In 2010, just over seven years ago, I can remember sitting on a plastic chair in the third row in the big top on the first night of Focus. And it was the very first time that I heard Nikki and Pippa Gumbel articulate their heart, their passion, their, their vision for what they wanted to see in their lifetime. This vision of the 
evangelization of our nation, the revitalization of the church and the transformation of society. And I can remember sitting in my seat and the theme of the focus conference that year was awakening. And it was like something in that moment awakened in me. I heard that vision for the very first time and I thought, now that is something I want to give my life to. That is something that I want to invest my gifts in. Emily and I had just moved from uh, Oxford Theological College. We'd come to be uh, curate here about seven years ago. And over those seven years, that's what we've tried to do. We've just tried to play our little part, serving in lots of different ways, getting involved, discovering our gifts, developing them as best we can, deploying them. It's been such an amazing journey to be on. I don't know about you. I don't know what you feel tonight. Whether this is the first time you're hearing this vision. Maybe it's something you've heard lots of times before. I know that I've still got lots of gifts that I need to discover. Lots of things I need to develop. New gifts to open up and to use. But you know, we've got to get our skates on. See what I did there. There's an urgency. Don't wait. Don't be a spectator. Now is the time. Get in the game. What could happen if each one of us was to activate our gifts? I believe that's what God is saying to us today. Activate your gifts. Fan into flame the gift of God that he has put into you. Discover your gifts. Develop your gifts. Aim high. Deploy your gifts. And when we do that, I genuinely believe we will be able to see this vision realized. We'll be able to see our nation re-evangelized. Our church revitalized all across this country. And society transformed in Jesus' name. Amen.